Well, let me welcome to the program, Rebecca Anderson. Rebecca is the co-leader of the Linwood uh, site of the 40 Days for Life campaign. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Tom. Hey, Rebecca, it's great to have you on today. Uh, I have known you for, I don't know, what, a lot of years. You're making me feel old, Rebecca. I don't know what that's all about. We were in grade school. We were were in grade school, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, weren't you in grade school out here where I am? Uh, in the Spokane area? Yes, I grew up. I, I speak that language. I speak the language. Yeah, That's awesome. <laughs> and then you fled to the West side and I came this way. So no, I it, fled to San Francisco first and then I came up to Seattle. So uh, nice. that was a nice. different adventure, different adventure. Yeah. Yes. But those, these things are not connected. My coming here no. and you're going there. That's great. <laughs> Actually, they're connected in one way that we're trying to fulfill the call of God for our lives. I, I hope that's it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you to be a person of faith, a woman, of, a wife and mother of faith. And, um, and and that's really, I think, the reason, the rationale behind what how we're living our lives, but also why we're here today to talk about the 40 Days for Life campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me just ask, I just want to start with that kind of question. Um, how did faith become the, let's say, the, the, the central um, aspect for your sense of identity and purpose in, in living your life? Would that all come from? Oh, wow. So that's not 40 days. That's me. Um... I guess finally realizing through a course of events in my life that I am not God <laughs> and I am not in charge um, and I am a beloved daughter uh, and just sort of it re reestablished. God got my attention in a big way in a, in a reversion in my life. And um, yeah, basically I realized I was not God and ultimately I am not in control. So I started this- there. Actually, that's so interesting because whether you realize it or not, you just actually identified um, John Paul II's two meanings of John Paul II's um, statement that you are a gift, that all is gift. That it, Now, listen, this is really interesting because to say all is gift is to say that all that you are, all that you have has come from God and therefore not from you. You're not in control. You are not God. Your life is a gift from God. But the other, the more rich and personal meaning is that you are an object of God's love, that you are precious, irreplaceable, unrepeatable, never to be seen again. There is a gift quality to your existence that God created you and designed you in order to shine forth through you in this world in a particularly distinct and unique way. Uh, That meaning of gift as well. And boy, when you think about it, like which of those is important for us to really allow to sink into our bones? Well, the answer is yes, right? The answer is both. Um, But I wonder today, it's like, which of those do we struggle with more? Which of those I uh, do you think um, do many people or even many Catholics struggle to embrace the reality that you're not God or that you are a precious gift that God has deployed into this moment in history in order to be a gift. What are you, what are your thoughts? I'm seeing a lot of stiff neck people. I'm seeing a lot of people who truly believe they are God and Lord and savior. Um, And I think the heart part, so there's that part, but I think the heart part of being gift, I think that's the real heart. When you're reading that, I realized, wow, if every morning, that's what I read first thing in the morning that I am gift, that I am, everything is gift from God. I mean, wow. I mean, it moved my heart when you were talking, I was just like, Oh, I, Oh, you're right. Thank you for that reminder. You know? So I think they're both, I think in order to move to that gift in the heart, you need to be able to bow before God. So yeah, Rebecca, I think that's a really good, uh, uh, good insight. I like that. You see, you have no idea why you're on here. So we prayed for, we actually prayed before our interview, the Holy Spirit would lead us and look, look where we're going, right? You had no idea where we're going um, with this, but it seems to me that those two insights, those two foundational meanings that all is gift, that I'm not God and therefore I'm not in control and therefore I shouldn't have... Um, the final word about what is right and wrong, what is real, what is true, good, and beautiful in this world, but rather I need to submit to God and honor his world, his creation. And then the second, to acknowledge the preciousness, not only of my own being, but of every human being, to, to the distinct preciousness and dignity of every single human being that God wills into existence, boy, don't those two things 
like manifest themselves in a particularly urgent way in the 40 days for life campaign? Yeah, they do. No, they, they really, really do. And, and just knowing those truths, those absolute truths gives me courage and hope to do what we do for 40 days for life. So, um, yeah, no, it, and that, and being on that, that's that foundation, right. And without that foundation, you can't build upon it. You can't stand on it. And yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's definitely spiritual. It's gotta be spiritual. Well, and for the folks that are, are not aware of what 40 days for life is, um, uh, you've heard me over the years, folks tell stories about how Carrie and I would take our family and go and pray in front of abortion clinics in front of Planned Parenthood or other abortion clinics um, where we've lived. Um, and we would do that just on our own as a family in prayer, or we would do that um, most often during a 40 days for life campaign. And uh, it was a great way for us not only to be witnesses as a family by praying in front of an abortion clinic and being present there, but also to be together with others. Um, and others are often Catholics, but others in other um, communities of faith as well, other Christians um, in particular who stand with us around these realities. And, and it's so interesting because kids get it. Kids get it. They get that oh, there's a baby in mommy's tummy, right? They got to see that quite a bit in the current home. And, um, and they knew because they watched that all of a sudden, here's a new baby in the home, that something very special and precious, something very dignified, something fundamentally um, real and important is happening in every pregnancy. There's a new life being willed into existence by God, a, a life that's meant to be a gift. And so when we would stand in front of these abortion clinics uh, and we would point them to the building and we'd say in that building is where little babies in their mommy's tummies get destroyed. They, they, their lives are ended. And, and the, the horrific uh, overflow of negative consequences that happens from the actions that happen in that building is why we're here. We are here to stand for life. We're here to stand in vigil on behalf of the mothers who are in these often difficult circumstances or feeling pressure or confused or uh, wrongly convicted about their being God in their own lives or whatever else is motivating them to make their way to these clinics, often Planned Parenthood, but other abortion clinics as well, to end the lives of the children within them. How could we not take action? How could we not do something to stand up for the preciousness of these little babies, as well as for the moms who are often pressured into those circumstances to approach these clinics for what they're looking for is somehow a solution, an answer, but it only is a devastation. So, uh, you know, it's something that Carrie and I have um, been very convicted about and have participated in um, for many years. And um, I'm thrilled to have you on, Rebecca, uh, to talk about the 40 Days for Life campaign that's happening now. Uh, everyone, everyone that's part of 40 Days for Life has a story. Like there's a story like, what is it that moves them to say, I, I need to be out there too. I need to I need to stand for life as well. Um, Rebecca, talk a little bit about um, your story. Like, wh why are you involved in 40 Days for Life? Like, what is it that, you know, you're, you're, in the, you're at the campaign in Linwood. Uh, and, you know, like, tell me what, what actually happens. Like, you get up and, and you go there and what happens and, and why do you do this? Uh, oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I guess sacred story stuff comes to mind, but... Um... Why do I do this? Well, I guess God finally got my attention. I guess all the breadcrumbs over the years. I started 40. I was in one of the 40 days for life in the Puget Sound area started in 2007, which is when the national 40 days for life happened. And I think it was Bremerton and Everett were the first two. And so I was part of a homeschooling group and it's like, yeah, we're going to do it 24, seven, 40 days, of, you know, 40, 40 days and stuff. And I got, so 2007 and over the years on and off, I'd participated. And it took actually a Protestant friend um, to do 40 days for life. My Planned Parenthood, which is literally, I live in Lynn, I live in Edmonds. So 
Linwood is right next door and it's five minutes from my house. So she started it in 2020 fall and then she had a job change and then she and you know said oh I need someone to continue this because really it's my planned parenthood <laughs> I owning it which some people have a problem with that but it's my neighborhood and I think we need to take ownership of what's in our neighborhoods and so she decided hey I can't do it and my other friend said we can do it and so this is the second campaign that I'm leading now in Linwood so um my own personal thing which I don't um you know, I, I helped someone get an abortion when I was in college and um, that stuck with me and sin is sticky. And I always said I drove the getaway car, um, but I didn't get away. So um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just something that literally got us unpeeled these things in my heart over the years because I have I've been out of college a little while. But um, anyway, I don't know. It just got God just leads you. I don't know. God, it was my time. It was my time. Um, I know Matt Ulrich, which I know a lot of people know in the pro-life movement who passed a few years ago. And um, he always said, people need to be on the sidewalk. And I used to say, oh, Matt, not everyone's ready to be on the sidewalk. And I went to 40 Days for Life National Campaign Headquarters and I came back convicted. Yes, everyone needs to be on the sidewalk. So that's in a nutshell why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, what it is, it's a public witness, right? And it's a presence. Mm -hmm. And it's um, saying that conviction needs to manifest itself in life, that their silence takes different forms. And one form that silence takes is not speaking out, not speaking up, not telling the truth, not giving testimony to what we've seen and heard and what we believe in. Because people have a right to the truth. People have a right to the gospel, and we have no right to keep it from them. And so there's a, uh, there is a, a, an accountability before the living God before Jesus Christ himself, who's coming uh, on the clouds with the angels. And he is going to be saying, were you ashamed of me and my gospel? Were you ashamed of me and the good news, the truth that will set people free, especially again, women in these uh, often very troubling circumstances um, as they face a decision around remaining pregnant or ending the life of the baby within them. That's one form of silence that leads to devastation. But there's another form of silence, and that is a failure to show up, not just showing up in speech, but a failure to show up in terms of public visible action. And sadly, abortion is permitted to happen because of a failure to take action. If Catholics and Christians who believe in life, who believe in the miracle, the gift of life from conception to natural death, simply said, I will be a faith-filled citizen. I will be a faithful citizen. I will allow my faith to inform how I live at the voting booth, in the workplace, and in my lifestyle. Abortion would be illegal. It would be. It would just be illegal. It would be illegal the way that the civil rights movement finally dawned on the American consciousness that It was a tragedy and an evil that African-Americans were held back with regards to their human and civil rights, going back to Dred Scott, going back to slavery and Dred Scott, but then even more uh, until civil civil rights legislation in the 1960s gave them an equality under the law. Um, This is, in some ways, the civil rights issue of our time. Babies have been overlooked. Babies have been denied their own right to life, their right to uh, exist. And as a result, we have deceptive, clever lies that have been poured forth from every nook and cranny of mainstream media's uh, sources, uh, cultural uh, uh, ways of presenting what's at stake in a, a pregnancy. And so many Americans have been deceived. Well, if only we Catholics would literally stand up and show up in our lives, babies' lives would be saved. Women and the wreckage upon their lives would be stopped. And we would do more to express a sense of solidarity with women who are in difficult or broken circumstances that make them feel forced to approach an abortion clinic. And so 40 Days for Life 
is a beacon. It's a beacon not only that we desperately need, but and not only the women desperately need, but really the soul of our country desperately needs. Uh, those are some pretty big statements, Rebecca. Um, I, I would say that um, uh, when you think about the people that you get to be with on the sidewalk in front of Planned Parenthood or the abortion clinic that's part of the 13 sites here in the state of Washington, thanks be to God for 40 Days for Life, uh, the 13 different sites happening, several in the uh, Puget Sound area from Tacoma to Seattle to uh, Bellevue um, and up in North and Linwood and Everett, all the way up to Mount Vernon and Bellingham. And then over here in Spokane and Wenatchee and down in the Tri-Cities, um, lots of wonderful sites for 40 Days for Life. Um, things happen, stories are shared uh, and, and babies' lives are saved. And so I'm going to just give the website out, Rebecca, and then I'd love for you to tell a story or two that you know about or you've experienced yourself regarding the, the difference it makes to being present, to actually showing up. But the website is the number 40, daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com, the number 40, daysforlife.com. Dot com. And you'll see right on the homepage, the ability to type in Washington, and then it'll show you the campaigns with the different times and uh, available slots to be able to show up and be part of this powerful campaign. Rebecca, uh, stories have such power. Uh, can you think of a, a testimony or a story that you yourself have witnessed or heard that really, if you will, expresses the essence uh, and I know it's multifaceted, but the essence of what uh, 40 Days for Life actually means and accomplishes. Sure. Um, gosh. Uh, da, da, da. Well, okay. So, you know, being there on the street and where we are and what our clinic is, just even the awareness of being there. We had one woman st stop and she pulled in and she said, why are you guys standing here? And we said, there's an abortion clinic behind us. She lived in the area. She had no idea. She lived here for 10 years, never knew it was there. So I'm like, we're pulling it out into the light. Had a man stop and thank us for being there. Adoptive father of two spontaneously wanted to pray with us. We're just this beacon of rationale. We're beacon of truth. Had a, had a young woman show up to join our vigil, had a four-year-old daughter with her. She had an unplanned pregnancy four years ago. Her family was pro-choice. She went up to a house up in Linden where they welcome women that are, you know, going to continue to their pregnancies and give birth to their children. And she brought her daughter. Her daughter's daycare was in the area. Um, just those kinds of things. Yesterday, I walked it alone. Um, a lot of times you're alone, but by, I was there a little bit longer than my hour. I gave God a little bit more time on the sidewalk. Someone from my parish locally came in tears. And it was Tom, her realizing the horrificness of what goes on in that building. And I think that's that heart change for people. So, I mean, I had to, I consoled her. I mean, I was just like, it's okay. And she's like, I just saw you coming here and I had the grocery cart. I had stuff in my car and I just wanted to pray and let's pray a rosary. And, you know, I mean, so those are the things that God sends. And I always say, if, if we're not on the sidewalk, God will send us no one because we're not there. It's that simple. And just real quick, 40 days for life is a huge goal. And this morning I was praying about it. The goal of 40 days for life vigil is to stand either 12 hours a day in prayer for 40 days or 24 hours a day in prayer for 40 days. Tom, those are goals I cannot do on my own. Those are goals a handful of us cannot do on our own. It is too big. And I think it's by God's design, it's too big because we cannot do it alone. And, and, and that, I think I just finally hit me. If you like good grades, if you, if you like to hit a goal, this is difficult here. It's difficult, but guess what? Our God can fill in that gap and he's bigger than everything. So, you know, yeah, it's huge. It's overwhelming, but it's one person at a time and someone taking a stand. Some people think you can't stand on the sidewalk, that, that it's illegal to stand on the sidewalk. It's not illegal. Come to the sidewalk. So. Hopefully that gives some people some stuff to think about. No, that's, that's super powerful. Like uh, some of the things that you'll discover on the 40 days for life website, 40 daysforlife.com are things like the number of babies lives that have been saved since 2007 
And, uh, you know, people just stop and think about it. 19,322. And that's just known babies lives. That, that is, that is, that is firmly confirmed. Like, like Sean said, it's, it's firmly confirmed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that's real. And let's just say it's really a lot more than that, but those are the ones that are known. And, um, and here's the thing, you know, those babies are now teenagers and uh, tweens and uh, youngsters, and they're going to go on to uh, have families and be part of families. And so these are branches of the family tree of humanity, the family tree in human history that are going to continue. And that's really very stunning to me. And you know, Rebecca, what's amazing is it's not only the lives of these babies that saved as like fundamental and as never to be forgotten as that is, the impact goes beyond that. Uh, The abortion clinics before which you stand and pray and witness and others stand and witness and pray uh, are also impacted. And the people that are working for those abortion clinics are impacted. That's one of the other things that um, I don't think was realized at the very, very, very beginning. But you know, with the story of Abby Johnson and the story of the original Forty Days for Life, uh, you know, prayer, um, prayer uh, vigils in front of her abortion clinic, the spiritual warfare aspect, where you have uh, again a record of 114 abortion centers closing, and 222 abortion workers leaving that work and they trace it back to the presence and the spiritual aspects that are manifested during uh, a time of vigiling in prayer before an abortion clinic. Um, what, what insight do you have into that? Have you ever sensed the, like, let's call it the spiritual or supernatural dimension or the battle that is waging when you're there, just peacefully praying a rosary? Oh my gosh. Even getting to my hour. I tell people, you know what? If you are late, if things get in your way before your hour starts, show up anyway. If you're 15 minutes late, show up anyway, because there is, you, you're marked. You are marked. You're moving towards the good. You're moving towards God's will. Things will get in your way. Um, you know, we've had people really angry. One guy, we did a vigil on Friday. He had to show us that he was giving us double finger gestures. He made sure we saw it. He was so intent on us seeing it. It was like, yeah, dude, we see you. Okay. You know, but, but then again, there is those beautiful moments where people do smile and they wave. Um, oh no, the, it is, it, you are on the last, you are on a, you are on the line. You really are. But I have to say, just praying brought Abby Johnson out. And I was, I was in um, Houston and where 40 days for life is. And they bought the Planned Parenthood building, not from Planned Parenthood, but Abby Johnson's clinic. They did not remodel part of it. They spiritually cleansed it. I'm sure a hundredfold because of what went on there. But we got, I got to stand in the room where God got Abby Johnson's attention with that abortion. And yes, it's a Holocaust and yes, it's a memorial. But from my point of view, it's redemption that there is no place on earth. God will not go to reach his children. And I would think hell on earth. I think an abortion clinic is pretty dark, but he would even go there. And that is how much God loves us. So when we stand on that sidewalk, just know, because some people say, some of the questions I get is, well, what should I say if someone approaches me? Well, what should I do? What should I do? And it's like, be present and pray. Don't try. It's simple. 40 days for life is so simple. We complicate it, you know, depending on what the clinic is and what the atmosphere is. Okay. There you've got some knowledge by and large, you're standing there. Cause really how big is the dark side? He's teeny, teeny, tiny. And my other thing mm-hmm. is when I was standing at the largest Planned Parenthood in the Western hemisphere in Houston, I wasn't there five minutes and I got bit by fire ants. And I had these little bitty fire ants and I've, I came home with some, some scars and I'm like, what the heck is that? Five minutes. I'm in front of the largest Planned Parenthood in the Western hemisphere. Huh? Kind of it, no coincidence. I don't think squish those little fire ants. I mean, seriously, I went, are you kidding me? This is seriously, but again, I'm not a fool. 
you know, I am not a fool. I know, I know I do not engage. I do not dialogue. I, you know, go that route, but man, I'm full of hope for this because they're teeny tiny little fire ants, you know, and Satan flees at the truth, you know? So again, just praying. And in fact, Sean um, Carney gave testimony. And when Abby Johnson walked into his, his coalition for life, he literally said, oh my gosh, it's Abby Johnson. He didn't even know that God would deliver. We don't know how God delivers. And so I'm inspired. I am so inspired. I'm not a fool and I'm not foolish when I'm there, but golly gee, people, we have it. We have it. We just have to stand there. So. Well, and you know, Rebecca, again, I'm talking with Rebecca Anderson. She's the the site leader for the Linwood 40 days for life campaign again. And and that began uh, two days ago. So this is uh, Friday, the 24th began on September the 22nd. And, but it's not too late to sign up. It is never too late. You can just continue to come on and get involved. It's a beautiful thing that's happening. And um, again, if you go to 40 days for life, the number 40 daysforlife.com, the number 40 daysforlife.com, um, you'll be able to find a vigil in your area. Again, this began on September 22nd. It continues until October 31st. So it ends just in time for All Saints Day, which is really beautiful. And uh, in some ways, I think it should have ended on All Souls Day, right? On November 2nd. That would have been very fitting. Well, you know what? Um, you don't have to stop going in front of a Planned Parenthood. Ooh, Rebecca. Oh, bam. I love it. And, that is, and, oh, what a great response. And 40 Days for Life now, there are vigils that are 365. And we have wow. one in Bremerton with Lori mm-hmm. Cokendale down there. It is 365. So no, 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 no. Don't think... <laughs> <laughs> because abortion doesn't stop. And also, I, I don't know if people really realize this, and maybe you've covered it on your program. Abortion was essential. Abortion is essential in our culture because Planned Parenthood never stopped during any of the COVID closures. Oh, it was considered an essential service. So sit with that, listeners. Abortion is essential. There's something wrong with that. Yeah. Well, when you think about the, um, gosh, the horror of what's happening, you see and in the battle that's waging, um, you, you stop and ponder and say, what's our stewardship? What have we been entrusted with? And I think about this Texas heartbeat law that thanks be to God, it came into, you know, it was um, signed into law. And, and what people don't realize is that there was, uh, as part of that law, a whole fund put together with a significant amount of money. I think it's $100 million to help women who make the choice to remain pregnant. So it's not simply we're going to put up a wall that says, no, you can't do this, but rather, yes, you can remain pregnant and we'll walk with you. We'll support you. We'll stand in solidarity with you. Um, but the, the battle, you want to understand the battle? Well, look what's happening now in the House of Representatives and what you have in the leadership of our country from our President Joe Biden and the the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. What's common about the two of them? Not that they're Democrats, but that they are self-identifying Catholics. What a sickness, what a tragedy, what a darkness, what a brokenness that these leaders of our nation, these leaders in our nation would take a stand that is vigorous and proud to slaughter human life in the wombs of mothers, that this is what they are going to uphold as one of the key aspects of their own um, leadership, political leadership in our country right now. That's a sign of, of the battle that we face today. And so we, I'm not the speaker of the house. I'm not the president and neither are you, Rebecca, but the Lord, our God is powerful. The battle is not ours. It's his. And he uses his faithful people who are willing to be salt, light, and leaven, salt, light, and leaven, salt, light, and leaven, uh, that to cause the entire culture to rise, to cause the entire culture to move, but make no mistake that we are in a battle. It's a battle of cultures. It's the culture of life and the gospel of life, or it's the culture of death. And, and, and what's at stake in it are precious human lives. 
What's at stake in it are the lives of women and families that are impacted by abortions. And it's the soul of our nation regarding where we stand regarding the precious gift of life. All of that is coming out into the open and manifesting something like the 40 Days for Life campaign. And I, I just don't think that we appreciate that enough. It is too easy, Rebecca, it's too easy for us to remain comfortably on the sidelines. It's just too easy to say, I'm too busy. It's too easy to say, I've got so many other things going on, someone else can do that. It's too comfortable to say, I don't want to be in a situation where someone might actually push back against me or show up and, and, and all of a sudden, now this is uncomfortable. I don't want to force my values on people. Well, sadly, laws that permit and promote abortion are being forced upon the innocent lives of human beings living in the wombs of their mothers and they're being slaughtered. I'm sorry, that is just not okay. No, no. And I, and I think too, with listeners thinking about, I don't know, I had this moment a few months ago now. It's like where I had this Braveheart moment, right? It's like I'm entrenched, right? I'm local. And I think oftentimes we get distracted by what's going on in the media, what's going on in Washington, what's going on in Olympia. And I don't have, I, how do I affect change? How can I make a difference locally? You can make a difference. We have more abortion clinics in our state than 13. The good news is we're covering the majority of them. The bad news is we have more than that. Um, mm -hmm. The good news is we're making a difference and you can do this. I mean, again, it's local. If you want peace, if you want peace of mind, if you want like I'm actually in line and I'm doing something of great, great value, participate in a local 40 days for life campaign. I also have to say, Tom, if I'm keeping track of the Catholics and the Protestants on my vigil right now, the Protestants are winning. And I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to Catholic and Protestant churches. I spoke at a Calvary church. I'm going down to non-denominational churches, Westgate Chapel in Edmonds. They're going to have Abby Johnson in November. 40 Days for Life is going to be there. That's our off season. That's where you get more people. You know, if we as church, as Christians can't come together on the life issue, then we might as well roll up. But I see great hope. And the other thing I want to remind people is, yeah, it's dark. Yeah, it's really black. Guess what? Your tiny, tiny little flashlight of light of faith, it can be the dimmest bulb in the room in the dark of night. It's going to shine. So we have that opportunity. Guys, women, people, children, we have that opportunity. We only have to get out there because you're, again, it is a spiritual battle. If you think of all the things, oh, someone could say something. Oh, this might happen. Guess what? You're not going to know until you're out there. And guess what? We all have the light of Christ in us. So people use it. Holy spirit, use it. We, we have the, because the dark side flees. It's a chicken. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of bluster, right? There's a lot of bluster. I, I think about the different ways that um, we witness to our faith in, in visible public ways. I think about things like the March for Life in January and how it's an amazing gathering in front of the um, step on the steps of the Capitol building in Olympia and how there tends to be or there used to be a small group of pro-choice folks and pro-abortion folks on the other steps. And, and I've, I've told the story of how my kids would go over there among them and I wanted them to see and experience these people because the manifest brokenness the brokenness of these people's lives. I wanted them to understand that what is true is also good and beautiful. And what is a lie is also broken and ugly. Mm -hmm. And so that was manifest in the way that these people behaved, their attitudes, their voices, their demeanor. Um, and, and so the kids were able to witness mm -hmm. the difference between what is truly good and beautiful, the gospel of life, and what was broken and ugly and is often presented in um, very clever and seductive ways in the mainstream media. Now, when you actually see it manifest in life, it's, it's just broken. It's not flourishing. It's ugly. But um, on, uh, on sidewalks in front of abortion clinics, my kids also get to witness some really powerful scenes. Uh, I remember one time this woman, she like kind of screeched into the parking lot, got out of her car, had this like energy about her that was really negative and confrontative. And so she came up to um, uh, the group of us and started um, exclaiming why, uh, why in a loud voice, why 
what we were doing was wrong and why this um, Planned Parenthood clinic is doing a good thing. And, um, and so we had some, you know, people who, um, who were um, experienced. And so we kind of like, Hey, let's like shift them to know how to uh, engage with a woman like this. And, um, and they peacefully engaged with her. And it only took about, about five or 10 minutes where she, her bluster was emptied out. Mm. And then she broke down in tears. Mm. She broke down in tears and talked about her abortion and the situation that she faced in her life and why she felt compelled to have an abortion. And she was in just weeping, weeping over it. And it was, it was as if she never had like permission mm. to be able to really like look at what she had done and the impact on her life. And it was so beautiful to watch these women just be present to her and talk with her about healing that was available that people would walk with her to help her to process what she had uh, decided on decades, a couple of decades before. And if she wanted to continue to like explore that and find a path out, you talk about redemption, mm -hmm. that act of redemption only was permitted because people showed up, people were there and were willing to take the first round of bluster to let that be come at them. And they, and they, you know what, they could absorb it. They could let it wash over them. And then they could still be present in love with mercy and kindness. And all of a sudden, look what opened up a locked door opened up. What a beautiful, beautiful work of God that we witnessed right there, right on the sidewalk. Well, well, and again, so and again, and again, quick. So, I mean, and that we're serving <clears throat> souls, really. We are serving souls when we're on the sidewalk and we don't know the brokenness of those souls, you know, but we see that, right. We see the smile or we see the, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. But what's the story? What's the story behind that? Because really the truth of it, sin is abortion is sticky. Abortion is ugly as women. I went to a women's conference. We are made for receptivity, beauty, and relationship and abortion it destroys all of that. It is not authentically feminine. It is so counter to what God, as you started the, 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 our conversation about God as gift, as, as beauty, as love, it, it just, it just, it's an affront. It, it, it falls short. You can't even say it's kind of the same, right? It, 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 it's, it's empty. It's empty, Tom. So yeah, that, that's Rebecca Anderson talking with me today from the 40 days for life campaign. It's the number 40 days for life.com 40 days for life.com Rebecca I think about I'm um, St John Paul II probably a great uh, point to end on he uh, he describes feminine genius right and it was what you were alluding to that the feminine genius the genius of a woman being a woman is that she has a capacity to make room for another it's her womb like quality. And for many women that manifests itself in literally the bearing of fruit in a, in another life and, in, and becoming pregnant and bearing a life within sheltering that life, nourishing and nurturing that life, feeling that life and loving that life from within her own womb, and then bringing that life to birth into the world. But that womb like quality that, that, uh, the, the capacity to be mother is something that is manifested in a very profound way through the physical reality of being a mother, but is beyond that, is beyond that. It's, it's the gift that women bring into their homes, into their marriages, and into this moment in history. And so I think about the ways that 40 Days for Life also has a feminine genius-like quality because it is um, reinvigorating, it is proclaiming again that what Planned Parenthood is doing is destroying the genius of women. It is, uh, it is saying, this is a lie, that what you will be destroying in your womb is actually a lie regarding this incredible privilege that you've been given as a woman, this privilege of being able to bear a life within you and to bring that life to birth in the world. Rebecca, I just think about the way in which we as Catholics have been entrusted with such a treasure of truth, such an incredible uh, stewardship that is ours. 
And if we hide that under a bushel basket, we're going to be held to account one day. And, and uh, among all the things that I'm going to be held to account for, I don't want to be held to account for that, hiding the truth that has been entrusted to us. Because you know what, Rebecca? Not everyone has been entrusted with this truth. Mm-mm. There are so many people today who have left the Catholic faith, walked away from the Catholic faith, stopped practicing their Catholic faith, or have never been exposed to the Catholic faith. And what, what another tragedy that somehow we who have been entrusted with the truth that God has revealed to the world in its fullness through Jesus Christ and continues to pass on into human history through the Catholic Church, that somehow we Catholics in America are not only part of the largest church, but are part of the church that has had the largest drop off of active participants of any church in America. And there's something wrong there. And I think one of the things that's wrong is a failure of courageous, convicted public witness. If only we were willing to stand up with greater conviction and courage to what it is we actually believe, willing to stand up, and that means sometimes push back against lies, then more people would become Catholic than would be falling away from the church. That, that's my thought. I'll give you a final word, Rebecca. What are your, what's, what's your final word for today regarding 40 Days for Life or anything that we've talked about? Gosh, I guess I was just thinking about, again, the lies, right? The lies of the, lies of the dark side and, and Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, just, just to let people know, you know, it's not healthcare. And, and Planned Parenthood has quotas, Okay, they have quotas on abortions. I mean, they're chattel, women are chattel. And it just breaks my heart when people think that's the solution. And I also want to say, life is messy. And we know that children are conceived in ways in which, you know, woman didn't plan it or whatever, but life is messy. But even something that is broken can be put together more beautifully through, through Christ, through God, through God, the father, you know, and just giving people that hope on the street. I think that's what 40 days for life is about, is that we bring hope to the sidewalk. So I'll tell you what, I got um, to end with one final story here okay. um, because of what you just said. Uh, I was teaching a, a, a class um, uh, in college. It was a class on religion. Um, and it was one of these required courses in, a, in this Catholic school. And um, it, it, you know, so it brought people from all these different majors into the class. And so one of the, um, one of the assignments was to work in groups and to do some kind of presentation to the class about a Catholic belief. And I remember, you know, that there were a variety of students in the class and one of the uh, students in the class um, would bring on our Saturday morning session, um, one of her kids and the kid would just sit in the back of the lecture hall. Um, You know, it was like a tween um, and all the, you know, the, the, all the students, many of them were adults were, um, you know, in, in, in sort of towards the front of the room. And um, this particular group that she was in uh, did a presentation on abortion and the um, right to life. And in it, they did a drama. And in the drama, a woman comes into the abortion clinic uh, and she is pregnant as a result of rape. And um, uh, the way the drama unfolds is that she ends up standing up for life, for the life of the baby in her womb, even in this broken circumstance. Um, And it was very moving, super powerful. Well, um, afterwards, uh, I... I said to the woman that was in the group, I said to her, this was super powerful. My goodness. And she said, well, it's my story. She said that she was married. She was raped. Her husband said, get an abortion. And she said, no, this is a baby. This is a life. Uh, He said, get an abortion or our marriage is done. And she's like, how can I create a second victim here? Why should this baby suffer as a result of something that happened to me? I can't do that. He divorced her and left. She brought that child to birth. And it was that child that was in the back of the lecture hall during those Saturday morning classes. And it was just sort of like, took my breath away. So powerful. The way that some women are willing 
to stand for life, even in the most difficult of circumstances. And for me, it was like anyone who would say, well, how can you not permit in cases of rape, a woman to get an abortion? And, and for me, I would just simply say, look, don't talk to me about it. Talk to her and actually talk to her with her daughter. Won't you talk to them? And you ask them, because for you, it's an idea or a theory. For them, this is her life. She was willing to sacrifice her marriage and look at the gift she has in that girl right there. This girl who has a name, who has a future, who has a life, is the answer to your question. It's not a theory. It's not an argument. It's a person with a name and a future. And so 40 Days for Life is a really important effort that just gives us a small way to stand for the preciousness and the dignity, for the gift of the life of every single child in the womb, especially those children who are most vulnerable, the ones who are at risk of being aborted through the myriad of circumstances that are there. If only those women would know that we are here for you, we are here with you, and we will help you get the support and the assistance that you need to be able to allow that child to come to birth. And that will never be a decision that you regret. That's why 40 Days for Life exists. That's true. Nicely done. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. That's Rebecca Anderson. Again, if you are interested, please go check out the 40daysforlife.com website. You'll be able to find a vigil in your area. You can find out more information about information and training that you'll receive, about when you can go so you're not alone. You can reach out to the local coordinators of the different sites, including Rebecca. Again, the number 40 days for life. Dot com 40 days for life.com Rebecca Anderson thank you so much for being with me today on sound insight always good to be with you Tom thank you welcome back to the program boy wasn't that a powerful interview um, Rebecca is so a committed witness right when you have a committed witness sharing um, their life of faith in the way that it takes action in something like a public witness of 40 Days for Life. It's very powerful, right? It's, it's beautiful. It's radiant. And uh, isn't that what we want for our lives? Um, next week, I'm going to be speaking at St. Monica's on Mercer Island. Um, at the, um, at the, it's, it's an open to everybody. Um, if you want to come, I'll, it's from 7 to 8 in the evening. And I'm going to be talking about the gift of a classical education. And it's more than just being about Send your kids to Catholic uh, to classical Catholic schools, or to a classical education. But rather, what we can learn, what we can take from that in today's moment, why a classical education is so uh, indicative. It points us in the way we ought to walk if we are going to rebuild the foundations. If we are going to um, advance the life of faith uh, in our homes, in our lives, and then beyond our own families, out into the wider culture. So I'll be speaking at St. Monica's uh, uh, 7 to 8 in the evening on Thursday night on the 30th. And then on October 1st, I'll be at um, Our Lady Star of the Sea in uh, Bremerton. I'll be there on um, uh, on um, Friday evening. And I'll be doing uh, the same talk Uh I have a little, I think a little bit more time there, but expanding upon the same theme, and um, and and really anyone can benefit from it because I'll be talking about certain insights, disciplines that are present in our tradition, um, that take shape and 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 come out into the open in a classical mode of learning in a classical education model. So uh, I do encourage you; it'd be great to see you all. Um, also, I'm going to be giving away lots of free resources, yay, because uh, these resources are going to be connected to some of these serious challenges that parents face today in raising their kids to be faith-filled Catholic Christian disciples, faithful citizens who can have an impact. So I'm excited. I'll be speaking at the New Classical, uh, Aquinas Classical Academy um, during the day, 
uh, to the teachers uh, at the school uh, at, at uh, Our Lady Star of the Sea, and then to the students, and then in the evening to um, any anybody that wants to come out. So very excited, very excited about that. And uh, I, it would be great to see you all. Again, that'll be on the 1st of October, the great Feast of the Little Flower, St. Therese. So a beautiful day to be there with you all. Um, today is a beautiful feast. While I'm recording this on the 23rd, it's the Feast of St. Padre Pio. And uh, I, I've got my favorite Padre Pio story because it's connected to Carrie and my journey um, to, um, to, to having children. And... Uh, in brief, Carrie and I experienced several years of infertility, and um, and it was very hard. It was very painful, lots of suffering. And when um, we finally did get pregnant, um, we ended up having a miscarriage. And so when Carrie got pregnant um, a second time, um, I turned to St. Padre Pio. At that time, he was venerable, not yet blessed, but I had a third-class relic, and Carrie carried the relic of Saint, well, venerable Padre Pio um, with her, um, just as a sign of, of our looking to him to intercede for us. And a beautiful thing happened in the midst of the pregnancy. Um, Saint John Paul II announced that he was being beatified, Padre Pio. And when um, when a saint reaches that stage in the process of canonization, uh, in, in the process of, yeah, uh, when they become beatified, they uh, receive a feast day. And the feast day was September 23rd. Well, we didn't realize that um, when we, we didn't know that when we had asked him to intercede for us. And the powerful, beautiful thing was that uh, Carrie's due date for this pregnancy was September 23rd. And so there was sort of like a chill, like, wow, you know, just that whole reality. Don't, don't you want to know that heaven meets earth, right? Heaven sees earth, that God uh, loves to deploy the saints as means of communicating blessings to us and signs that he's with us, he sees what's happening in our lives. And uh, that child would indeed come to birth, uh, that child was Mary Grace. She was born five days later on the 28th. And the joke is that if she was born on the 23rd, her name would have been Pia. <laughs> and so she's very grateful to God that she was born on the 28th and received the very lovely name Mary Grace. And so there's, our, there's just one little Padre Pio story, but I love Padre Pio. I love Saint Pio of Pietrocina. Um, if you haven't discovered him, learn about his life. A great, great saint. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Pray, hope, and don't worry. And he has really helped me come to appreciate not only the Eucharist, not only the Mass, not only union with Christ through his suffering and the stigmata, not only confession, uh, but as well the appreciation for the gift of the guardian angels in our lives. All those things are great riches to be discovered. You know what, that's going to be worth actually talking about. Maybe we'll talk about that with the priests on Monday on Sound Insight. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. God bless you. Have a great weekend, and tune in on Monday for more Sound Insight.